2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start verse 7. Paul is actually, kind of jumping here in the middle, Paul is talking about uh, some other person. He kind of, he kind of in this story, he's kind of pointing to somebody else, but he's, he's actually talking about himself. He's trying to deflect a little bit. He's like, I knew a man that had this crazy experience with God where he was taken up into the third heaven. He's, he's deflecting right here. He's trying to make himself seem a little bit more humble than he, than he actually is at this point in his ministry. And so he's, he's telling a story, and then all of a sudden he says, and, and, and to keep me from getting the big head about all of this stuff that I'm seeing in God, this is what he says. He says, verse 7, it says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Has anybody in the room asked God to do something that he didn't do? Come on, throw your hand up in the air. I don't want to be alone this morning. You've asked God to do something. Okay. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I've always, I've, I've always had a little bit of a problem with this because I just never understood what he meant when he was talking about boasting about his weaknesses. Boasting about. Just one, one translation says, he, I will glory in my, my weakness. I got, I got a problem with that. As, as a person who is uh, obsessed at times with the way people see me and view me, this bothers me. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who would probably be a lot like me or maybe a little bit like Paul before he wrote this. Paul, like most of us, would have probably hated to feel weak or feel out of control or... Or feel like people saw something about you that you didn't want them to see about you. But Paul had learned something about weakness that I'm still learning and hopefully we can start to learn together. This former, proud, put together, elite Jewish leader has decided to boast in his weaknesses instead of running from them. And I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time running from my weaknesses. I do. I'm not here yet. I'm not here yet. I'm a lot like the Apostle Paul. Like, I'm, I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm pressing towards it, but I am not there yet. And I want to learn how to boast in my weaknesses. This is a guy who had spent most of his life pointing out weaknesses in other people. And many of us are, are, are experts at at noticing and pointing out the weaknesses in other people. And, and your spouse should say a good hearty amen to that right now. We are, we, are, we are experts. We are professionals at seeing what everybody else needs to fix. And Paul had learned something so special. He, di- he, he discovered that the, the message of the gospel is truly good news. It's good news because what it means for us is that because Jesus was strong for us, we are actually free to be weak. Because Jesus was accomplished for us, 
we are actually free to be unaccomplished. I don't know if there's anybody in the room who is thankful that Jesus is for you, what you could never be for yourself. Maybe you want to put your hands together and just thank you, Jesus, that you, you became for me what I could never be for myself. So I don't have to pretend today. I don't have to get up here and pretend to be something I'm not today. I don't have to get up here and pretend that I have it all together. You know, as a matter of fact, I can actually tell you this morning, I don't get nervous preaching to you guys anymore, but I do struggle personally with anxiety. And so this morning, I'm, I'm on my way to church, and I don't know, just out of nowhere, I just kind of get hit, and I, I feel stuck in my seat. And so when we pull in the parking lot, I have a hard time getting out of the car. And then when I get into my office, I sit down in the corner of my office, and I sat down on my hands, and I'm like taking deep breaths, and all of a sudden, Monica's like, Robbie, what's going on? I'm like, I have no idea, but I don't want to go out there today. <laughs> I don't want to go out there today. And I'm not afraid of somebody giving me COVID. I mean, it's, I mean, at some point, it's a virus, by the way. At some point, it's going to, it's going to, all of us are going to come into contact with it. Somebody you know is going to get it. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's here. So it's not, I'm not afraid of that. I'm, 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 I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not nervous anymore, but I just was, I was stuck in my seat. And isn't it an amazing thing that on the day I'm going to talk about weaknesses, I don't get to get up and boast in my own ability to get over them, but I'm still struggling with them right before I come out here and talk to you. It's an amazing thing how God works because if it wasn't for God's power, I couldn't have even walked up on this stage this morning. So I need you to understand that this is a journey that every person in this room, no matter how far along you think you are, you still have a long, long way to go <laughs> so we're free we're free from that pressure to have it all together and if you don't understand this you are going to always long to be better superior stronger and smarter than others and because of this you will never be satisfied content or at rest failure will drive you into misery and it will keep you in depression and you'll become so addicted to appearances that without knowing it, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be so addicted to appearing strong that what you're actually doing is resisting God's strength and keeping God at an arm's length. The desire to keep up appearances results in a pride that actually pushes God away from your situation. There are a lot of people in this room wondering, like, where is God's power in my situation? Well, why would you need God's power if you've got it all worked out? Where in your life have you left, like, room for God? What part of, you, what part of your life do you, do you, today, do you need God to show up or nothing happens? I, I love C.S. Lewis. I love the way he writes. And uh, he said this about pride. He said this about acknowledging pride. He said, if anyone would like to acquire humility, he said, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. And it's a big step, too. At least nothing whatever can be done before <laughs> this step. If you think you are not conceited, you are very conceited. Indeed. 
And so this morning, for every person in the room who thinks that this message is for your neighbor, it is exactly the thing that God wants to talk to you about today. So what, what is weakness? Weakness in the Greek, that word there just means a lack of strength or infirmity, like sickness. What Paul is saying, he's not necessarily saying that the thorn is sickness. He's saying the thorn has made him sick. The, so, so a lot of people get obsessed with what is the thorn. And I think God is so gracious to not let us know exactly what the thorn is because we would have developed a doctrine out of it. Limiting this, the scope of this, of this verse and its power for us and our lives. So Paul is really telling us whatever this thorn is, it's made him sick. It's made him sick either in his body or, or in his soul. There are a lot of people this morning here, you're not, your body isn't sick in the sense that you might not have a disease or something plaguing your body right now, but there are a lot of soul sick people in the room today. A lot of people who are just sick in their soul and his inability really to fix it, to fix the problem, to get rid of it. See, a thorn is different than a storm. James talks about various trials. And if you don't understand that there are different things that come your way, you'll, you'll really start to question God's goodness in your life because you won't understand what's happening to you. You have to be able to differentiate the various trials. There are different types of trials that come your way. One of them is, is a storm. A storm is just like a storm you would see in the natural. It comes, causes chaos, and wreaks havoc, but it comes to go. And a storm comes to get us to overreact emotionally in the moment. To make us do something to ourselves that the storm cannot do to us. A thorn is different. You're, you're stuck with it. That's such a dad joke. Yeah. You're stuck with it. It, it. It's indefinite. You don't know how long it's going to be there. You could pray and say, God... This is the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. And God says, no, nah, I'm just going to leave it there for a minute. Why would God leave something in your life that's causing you pain? Can you imagine Paul praying and saying, God, would you take this for me? God's like, I'd love to. But Paul, I've actually, I've never seen you pray like this. So I'm going to leave it there for a little while. And some of us are like, God, would you take this from me? And God's like, I'd love to, but man, I've never seen you this desperate, so I'm just going to leave it here for a while. And if you can stay this desperate with it gone, then maybe it'll go, but this is indefinite. I have no idea. There's no time period on this. This is up to God. Watch this, though. The thing about a thorn is this. Satan, in this, in this situation, Satan sends this. Paul says it's a messenger from Satan. Satan sent it. God allowed it. And if God allows something to come in your life from the enemy, God's going to use it to get glory out of it. Oh. So he, he realizes, okay, so, so all of this is this realization, right, that Paul is coming to. He's starting to realize that God is determined to get the glory out of my life. 
here's, here's the problem you have. Is that when you decided to follow Jesus, he took that seriously. Now he is going to do everything that he possibly can to get every ounce of glory that he deserves out of your life. So that's why you feel out of control. Because in reality, you're not. (laughs) And he is. And in moments like this, when we feel really out of control, we've got to have confidence in a God who says, you know what? I've got you. I know it doesn't make sense. And I know you're begging me to get rid of this, but I'm going to get glory out of this situation. And the enemy is going to pay for every attack that he sent. Because what he meant for evil, I allowed it so that I could turn it on its head for your good. Come on, is there anybody thankful in the room today that God uses what the enemy meant to torment us and frustrate us? And See, the thorn comes to make me walk away from my calling. The thorn comes to make me sit in my office and never get out of my chair. The thorn comes so that you will sit in your depression and in your anxiety and not do anything for God. But when you go ahead and admit to everybody, hey, I'm weak, but watch the power of God use me in spite of me today. You become a testimony and the world looks at you and you can't take any glory for yourself. And so God will take you all over the place. Just to show somebody what it looks like when somebody is totally submitted to the plan of God in their life. Could I do something else but preach? Absolutely. Could I do something else that would cause a whole lot less anxiety in me than lead thousands of people? Absolutely. Oh, man, it would be freeing. I talk to Monica about it all the time. Every now and then I come home from the golf course and I think, babe, if I just really focused on this, like I could, I could be a pro. Like, I mean, I just got a boat this week. I feel like I should just do boat tours. Like, come on, pay me a bunch of money. I'll take you out and show you all the. Don't worry, I'm a preacher. It's not a fancy boat. God help me if I got a fancy boat. That would just be another source of anxiety. It's just 115 horsepower. Get over it, okay? <laughs> so Paul, Paul is coming to this realization. He says, he says I'm going to boast in it. And this is important. This is so important. Henry Ward Beecher said, a proud man is seldom a grateful man. This is the importance of of boasting in it. And I'm going to give you just a few, and then I'm going to let you go. A few advantages of weakness. First one, you are protected. Our growth actually should determine our reach, not our ambition. Because our ambition will take us places sometimes that our growth is not caught up to. It's, It's like a, it's like a, it's like a kid who, uh, who wants something out of the cabinet. They can't reach it. And so what do they do? They start to pull the drawers out. Yeah. Yeah. Right? 
Now, the drawers were never intended to be steps. And so when you can't reach something, what you start to do is you start to manufacture a way there. And you start to misuse things that were never intended to be used that way to get to where you're trying to reach. What happens? <laughs> you fall. The handle falls off. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to like your handles and you're like, why are they so loose? Because your kids are climbing on them. <laughs> or your wife, because she can't reach that top shelf and get that plate. She's pulled it out and she stepped up on it. And when you, when, you, when you use stuff like that the wrong way, yeah, you can get there. But what you have done is you have abused a lot of things and people on the way there. And what you would rather do is you would rather God exalt you. You would rather use the stairs. Or you would rather grow to the point where your growth defines your reach and not your ambition. So anything I'm having to like step on stuff that wasn't made to be like the, the other day I was trying to get to we have this vaulted ceiling in our living room and then we've got this little what's that thing called baby is ottoman okay <laughs> I'm not good with words either that's another weakness I forget words um it's it's an ottoman and it's like about this high off the ground and all I have is like a step ladder and the fan, there was like a lot of stuff up in the, up in the fan some, from parties and stuff, some string from some balloons. And I'm like, I think I can get that. And she's like, there's no way. We don't have a ladder big enough. And I was like, oh, I have a way. So I, I grabbed the stepladder and I put it on the ottoman. <laughs> you just say, don't do this. You don't know, we don't want to know what happens next. Just don't do. And, and so you are, when you, when you, when you admit your weaknesses... You're protected. You're protected. Why? Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. <laughs> I heard this one day. They said these are the last words of a, of a, of a, of a redneck. Watch this, boys. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that a lot. <laughs> Oh, man. So what, 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 what it does is it defines your limitations. Now, that's, that doesn't mean that you cannot do things that are currently beyond your limitations. Because here's the thing. You might be limited, but God isn't. And, and a, lot, a lot of times God will use you in your weakness because he wants to defy your limitations. But you have to let God do that, okay? <laughs> Second thing. You're surrounded. You're protected. Second thought is this. You're surrounded. How are you surrounded? When you admit your weaknesses, what happens? People who can do what you can't do start to surround you. Your weakness actually attracts people who can do what you can't. There's a story in Mark chapter 2, verses, verses 3 and 4 are really particular. In the, there, was this, there was this paralytic man. And he couldn't get to Jesus, but Jesus was somewhere where he needed to be. Now notice this, Jesus wasn't coming to him. He had to get to Jesus. So he can't get there. So what happens? The Bible says these men pick him up, carry him to Jesus. 
And when they get there, they can't get in the room. So what do they do? Well, they take him up on top of the roof. Well, they get on top of the roof. The roof is closed. This paralytic man can't do anything about this. But these men, they dig through the hole, dig a hole in the ceiling. Then they drop the man down to Jesus. And he gets healed. His sin's forgiven. Why? Because he surrounded himself, because of his weakness, with people who could do what he could not do for himself. And when you surround yourself with people who can do what you can't do, you'll, you'll go places that you never would have gone on your own. In relationships, man, this is, this is one thing we sacrifice. For, for comfort, we sacrifice real relationships. But in relationships, you don't need comfort, you need movement. Okay? The power of your relationships is not found in sameness, but in uniqueness. And many of, our pro- many of us, our problem is that we want fans, not friends. And anybody who is a real friend, we call them a hater. Why? Well, if they're a real friend, Proverbs 27 and 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you haven't been wounded by a friend lately, you don't have a friend. You've got a fan. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Man, you're calling the wrong people enemies. <laughs> some, of y'all, some of y'all need to get a better relationship with the people you work with. Some of you need to have better relationships with people that are lost. Here's, here's my thing. Lost people are not your enemy. <laughs> and if you define lost people as your enemy, then you will miss out on everything that God wants to do in your life. In Genesis chapter 39, Joseph, he has this ability to interpret dreams. But the Bible says Joseph doesn't have the dream that he's going to interpret. Who has it? Pharaoh. Some of y'all need a Pharaoh in your life. Because the reason your gift isn't functioning is because you've cut all of the Pharaohs out of your life. You won't allow anybody who doesn't smell like Christian to come into your life and be a part of your life. There are some dreams that you're supposed to interpret, but you won't let Pharaoh near you. You you need to diversify your relationships. You need movement, not sameness. You need movement. (laughs) Sorry, that story's in Genesis 41. In Genesis 39, though, Joseph is in the house of an Egyptian. And the Bible says that God blesses the house of the Egyptian for Joseph's sake. Can I say this to you? Most of the stuff that God does in your life isn't because of you. It's because of the people you're connected to. Mom, dad, most of the blessing that's in your life right now is not because God wants to bless you so you can have a lot of stuff. It's really there because of who you're connected. God is blessing you because he wants you to be a blessing to your kids. Remember, Scripture teaches it's not the job of the kids to lay up an inheritance for the parent. 
It's the job of the parent to lay up an inheritance for the kids. So most of the time when God blesses you, he's blessing you not because you're so great. He's blessing you because of who's connected to you. Another thought. You are honored. Sometimes people think like if, if people don't see weakness in me and all they see is strength, then they will, they will honor me. I used to think that like as, like as a pastor, I, I used to think that, man, if I, just, if I just constantly walk around looking like a pastor, maybe people don't honor me because of my genes. Maybe people don't honor me because of my youth. No, no, I think sometimes when you, when you present yourself as honorable, you actually don't get the honor that you want. Here's why you get honor when you're weak. This is really good. You get honor because you let people help you. And when you let people help you, you allow them to fulfill the purpose for being in your life. And when you let them fulfill the purpose for being in your life, you enhance their value and you let them know that they mean something to you. Have you ever ever made some mistakes and, and fallen and done something stupid and your friend finds out and they're like, why didn't you tell me? And the reason they're frustrated is because they thought, If you would have told me, I could have helped you. I could have, like my purpose for being in your life is to help you. And when you let people help you, you actually create meaning in their life. They're around you for a reason. They're there to help you. Your wife is actually called a help me. In other words, she meets a need you can't meet on your own. That's why God brings people into your life relationally, to help you. And what does it do? When they help you, you add value to them. And when you add value to them, they honor you. You don't have to fight for the honor of people when you add value to people. I don't have to demand your respect when I show you the respect that you deserve. I've never one time asked someone to call me pastor. I'm just, I refuse to do it. Someone come up and call me Robbie. Uh, it's Pastor Robbie. <laughs> Just so you know. Like legally, it's actually at the front of my name. It's Pastor Robbie. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've never asked anybody to call me their father in the faith. <laughs> Who does that? Runs around like, I'm your dad. <laughs> no, I have a dad. I'm sitting right back there. Why are you on the back row, by the way? <laughs> I love you. Philippians 2 and 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Last thought is this. If you'll stand to your feet, I'll share this with you and we'll, we'll close. You make a difference. Don't you want your life to make a difference? I want my life to, to matter in the end. And I think sometimes that's, what so much of our striving and our hiding and our running is all about. It's, I, I, I feel like if I, if I live this kind of life, then I'll make, it, I'll make it. If I never make any mistakes, I'll really make a difference. No, no, no. That's not the goal. 
you make a difference. Why? Because people who receive the most help get the most done. (laughs) Nobody wants to be around a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all. But when you are weak and you invite help, you get the most done. Jesus himself recognized, I have a role to play in the redemption of mankind, but I have to gather around me friends, disciples, and people who I can give this to so they can do what I cannot do on my own. If Jesus needed others so that what we're experiencing today could happen, how much more do you and I need others? We need as many healthy relationships as we could possibly have. We need for people to make up the gap where we are weak. Are you thankful today for the people that God has brought into your life? Maybe you could put your hands together and thank God for the people that he has surrounded you with. I'm thankful. So, help us, God. (laughs) Help us to be able to boast in our weaknesses so that we can actually do what he called us to do. Are you interested in that? Is anybody interested in doing what God calls you to do? I need to be able to do this. I need this ability in my life. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking you today, help us, God. Help us to get rid of the pride that would make us appear strong. Make us look like we're something that we're not. Help us, God, to to boast in our weaknesses. Help us, God, to be a person who others can talk about their weaknesses with. That we wouldn't be obsessed with pointing out the faults in others, but as we admit our weaknesses, other people can see where where they are weak and we can strengthen each other as a community. We, We look at each other as a body where every joint supplies. We need each other to actually do what you call, I can't say to my hand, I don't need you. I can't say to my toe, I don't need you. I can't say, I can't say that. I need every part of the body. And so God, we need each other today. We need each other today. Help us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, hey, listen, if you're watching us online or maybe you're joining us in the room and you want to make a decision for the Lord today, obviously we would love to meet you and talk with you. If you're online, please text the word decision to 423-443-4339. If you're in the room, you can text that word or you can talk to someone out in the hub if that's you. And we'd love to meet you today, but please don't leave without somebody connecting with you. And if you need anything during this time, we're still doing our best to reach out and meet needs. People who need groceries, people who are unemployed and need help. We're still here doing that. So let us know. We love, we'd love to help you. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. And we'll see you very soon. Registration will be open online this whole week. So make sure you get registered for next week. We'll see you soon.